So, um, praise the Lord. Amen. Um, yeah, we are a few this morning, <laughs> but uh, we thank God. Um, he is always with us. Uh, the numbers are not really that, um, uh, that limiting. It's not a limiting factor for God. So, thank you for that introduction, Rory. Um, as has mentioned, we're going to be looking at how to study the Word of God. Um, let me just connect it to what we've been doing last, I mean, we've been studying the book of Acts. Um, I think those who have been around, hopefully you've been blessed as we went through the book of Acts from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 28, um, the Acts of the Apostles. And if you, if you missed any of those teachings or some of those teachings, they are available on the website, on our website, we do have a website, Kampala International Church uh, Luboa website, so you can actually go in and listen to them. Um, but um, the reason I bring it up is because one of the things that really fast-tracked um, the growth of the early church, both in width and also in depth, was the Word of God. The Word of God. We also, of course, had the Holy Spirit, uh, but the Word of God was also very, very significant. Now, in those days, what they would do is they would basically receive letters from people like Paul, like the apostles um, in their home groups, and then they would study these letters um, in their small churches or small home groups. And we have obviously, you know, we've changed since then. Today, we, we are really, really blessed in the sense that we've captured all that into what we now today call the Holy Bible. Um, these letters, the scriptures are all captured in, in terms of, you know, this book that we call the Holy Bible. Um, it's written by over 40 different people, and it spans from the time of Genesis all the way to Revelations. Um, it's about, it was written over a period of about 2,000 years. So it's really something that God has gifted us with. It's inspired by God, and it is the Word of God. Um, but... It's, it needs, you can't just walk into it and start looking into it and get what you need out of it. Uh, we need to have uh, techniques and skills on how to actually read or discern the word of God or the mind of God from the Bible. So let's just think about that for a minute. Why is it important to study the word of God? Why is it important to study the word of God? It's truth, amen. To gain wisdom, yes. Life, it is life, indeed. Actually, in Proverbs chapter two, 4, verse 22, it talks about it is life. Literally, it is life. Um, it is also healing and health <clears throat> to those who receive it, yes. I, yes, exactly. We need to know. It actually helps us know the mind of God. It helps us to know God. Um, we know his nature. We know how he interacts with us, his love for us. And as we mature as Christians, really, we need to be grounded in the truth of who God is. Amen? Um, it's also the source of so many blessings. Uh, peace, for example. Great peace have they who love your law, is what it says. The, the, you know, the, 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 the word of the Lord stabilizes us and gives us amazing peace. It helps to set us free, as somebody has mentioned. It gives us truth, and the truth will make us free. So it helps to set us free. It helps us to resist the enemy. Yes, it helps us to resist the enemy. The only weapon that Satan has against believers is lies. 
So if we have the truth, if we know the truth, then we can actually resist the enemy very, very effectively. You know, at one time I was in a bank and I was watching them count uh, 50 shillings notes. Eh? Um, and uh, these bank tellers, they do it very, very fast. Um, leave alone with uh, machines, but you know, they, they have this skill to do it very, very fast. And so this person who was counting, this gentleman was counting, then suddenly in the middle of it, he stops and he pulls out one note and he says, this is a fake note. And I'm like, how do you know? He's like, I know the feel of genuine notes. And I've picked up that this is actually a fake note. And he actually showed to us. You, know, you could see you know, the imprint. Now, you couldn't see it visibly, but he, by his feeling, by the fact that he knew what real notes looked like or felt like, he could actually pick up that this is a fake note. So it's the same thing. When we are very familiar with the truth, when we know it inside of us, it's very easy to pick lies and to uh, discern lies and to see lies. And it's actually how Jesus resisted temptation. Jesus didn't, um, you know, didn't sort of tell the devil, vamoose, disappear, get out. What he did was just use scripture. He literally used scripture against the enemy, and the enemy left because of that. So the word of God is very, very effective in resisting the enemy. In whatever form that he comes in, whether it comes through people, whether it comes through our thoughts, um, then we can use the word of God. Now, before we go into some of these techniques on how to really... Uh, uh, learn uh, how to study the word of God, I want to just keep in mind two things. I want us to keep in mind two things. First of all, when we study the word of God, understand and that we are studying revelation. What we are looking for is revelation, not just facts or information. Is that clear? It's revelation. What you're looking for is <clears throat> for God to reveal himself. <clears throat> There's a scripture that... Um, during the worship, we mentioned Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, right? Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Let's just go there because it, it really shows the heart of God when it comes to really revealing himself to us. Um, Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Are we there? Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets <clears throat> that you do not know about things to come. There are things that God wants to reveal to us. And so when we come to him with that attitude of really um, asking and, and waiting to receive from him, he says he reveals them to us. So when we go into the word of the Lord, what we're looking for is revelation. It's, it, you know, contrast this with academic studies. Academic studies are different. I don't know about you, but for me, you know, when, when, when I went through my schools, et cetera, et cetera, and with, respect, with due respect to my, my teachers, professors, et cetera, there's a lot of information that we learned. Um, but I look back now, and most of it actually is not really relevant. <clears throat> I, I, and it's very ironic because we pay a lot of money for these things. But it's, it's not relevant for two reasons. Number one is the world moves very fast. Knowledge is updated all the time. So a lot of the things that we learned then, we've kind of moved on. I was there, I was in school before computers, um, so you can imagine. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, um, I've moved into a different season in my life where the knowledge that was imparted to me, the studies that I did then are, you know, I need different skills for the season that I have in life. So academic studies are good. I mean, I'm not really looking down on them. They are good. I think they're important. They, they give us certain skills like discipline and so on and so on. But you can't really rely on them for your life. Um, so when we go into the Word of God, what we are looking for is revelation regarding the practicalities of life, and it's very, very solid. Um, what God gives us is very, very solid. 
The word of God is written for your heart and not for your head. It is not for your head, it's for your heart. Okay, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 21 says we are to keep God's word in our hearts. Keep them in the center of our hearts. Keep the words of God in the center of our hearts. Now, obviously, you need a brain or you need a head to be able to extract the word of God and to read the word of God. That's true. Uh, but whatever you read, uh, what you're doing is really seeking revelation from God so that it can be established in your heart. Uh, just cramming scripture and memorizing scripture is not enough. Am I getting through? You, if you open, for example, Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse chapter one, verse two, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two, it says, "Meaningless, meaningless," says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That's a statement from the Holy Bible. Now, if you just cram that in your head and you operate with that just the way it is, you can be seriously, seriously misled. So, but the revelation behind this statement is what we seek, and the revelation is that basically without Jesus Christ, without life based in God and focused on God and centered on God, everything is meaningless. So that's the revelation you can extract from a statement like that. So when we read the word of God, very important, we are seeking for revelation, not just reading nice stories. Um, secondly, the other thing to keep in mind is when we, read the Holy, when we read the word of God, we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the word, they are one. So we need to read in partnership with the Holy Spirit, which is why it's so important, and we've sort of said this over and over again when we went through the book of Acts, it's so important to have this, to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, to receive from him, to walk with him. Um, he's the one who actually wrote scripture. Um, you know, scripture is God-breathed. Is, is what it says in Timothy. He's the one who actually wrote scripture. He reveals scripture to us. He teaches us truth. He teaches us scripture. He guides us and leads us into all truth. And he also brings the word to remembrance. He helps us to remember when we need that word, that specific word. Um, when Jesus went about preaching and teaching when he walked here on earth, he really didn't have a Bible, if you think about it. And he didn't walk around with scrolls, because in those days the word of the Lord was in scrolls. So he didn't walk around with a basket full of scrolls. He had the word of the Lord on the inside of him. And every time he quoted scripture, it, it came naturally. And he quoted it exactly the time when it was needed. Um, but the word of the Lord says, a word in due season. Um, is, you know, it, it's very refreshing. So you need the word and you need it in due season. Uh, Jesus didn't have Google where he could be like, you know, <laughs> um, if he needed a word, he's like, hang on a second and then Google it up and then give it to you at that time. So th the word was actually on the inside of him and it just came out naturally. He lived the word. So I'm basically emphasizing the importance of the Holy Spirit uh, to teach us, to guide us, to lead us into all truth and to bring the word that we have read. And of course, we have to have read it because you cannot remember something you, can, you have not read. So to bring into remembrance the things that we have read. Um, so in a nutshell, that's it. The, the Holy Spirit reveals to us what we need um, to extract out of the Bible and opens our eyes to the word of the Lord. Um, when you think of people like, and, and you see this a lot in scripture. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of an example like the disciples when they walked to Emmaus. Uh, hopefully most people remember this story, but basically this was after the resurrection and uh, the disciples had all scattered and they were living in a very uh, sad state. 
because they thought basically Jesus had gone. Uh, and these two disciples were walking to a mouse at a distance of about 10 kilometers, and they were discussing all the things that were happening. And then Jesus walked alongside them, and they didn't recognize him. And even as he talked through these things, um, he, they were like, don't you, aren't you the only one who doesn't know what has happened in, in Jerusalem? But it says, the scripture says, he opened their eyes. He opened their eyes. Uh, and beginning with Moses and through all the prophets, he interpreted to them or he revealed to them the things concerning himself. So the, the word of the Lord has to be opened to us. Okay, it has to be open to us. This is why sometimes you will read a scripture and then a few days later you read the same scripture and you see different things. You understand? So that's the word of the Lord being opened to us. So those are the two things I wanted to sort of, like a preamble, I wanted to go into um, as an introduction. But now I want to go into really the, the techniques, the approach, the order in which we actually study the word of God. There isn't really a perfect way. And the idea is every person has to sort of find their, their best what works for them. But I want to discuss some principles that help. And um, these are sort of guidelines and principles that I believe will be very, very useful for us to enable us to actually analyze and, and, and understand and absorb the truth of God. So first thing is we need to pray. When we approach the word of the Lord, um, we start off with prayer. It, it kind of sounds obvious, I mean, sort of, but sometimes we can overlook it. And uh, we're not talking about very long, complicated prayers. It's really just, um, uh, there's something about prayer that just does, you know, opens in a sense our access to some of the revelations that, that lie in the Word of God. I mean, personally, um, when I pray um, uh, as, you know, as either reading the Word or just before I read the Word, it prepares my heart to receive it sensitizes my heart to receive. It acknowledges, you know, I acknowledge that this word is not just a group of stories or a bunch of interesting stories, but I appreciate and I thank God for, uh, for the fact that he has brought his word to me, that it is holy, it is different, it is separate. It's not like reading a newspaper. It really is different. So it, it, it's, this, this, this can be done through prayer. Um, just preparing your heart, getting your heart ready to receive from God. Amen? And then when we go into the Word, there are basically three ways you can actually study the Word of God. Three ways that are known. Um, and again, just talking about guidelines, you'll find what works for you best, and we'll talk about you know, some of the pluses and the minuses for each of these ways. But there are basically three ways um, to approach the Word of God. The first way is to do a systematic study of the Bible. Uh, we study, used to study the Bible in a systematic way. So you start off, for example, from Genesis, you go to Exodus, you go to Leviticus, you go to Numbers, and you go all the way up to Revelation. And you'll find that if you read roughly about four chapters every day, you can actually cover the, the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation, the last chapter, in a year. So if you do roughly about four chapters every day. Or you can do it also, um, you can take the New Testament and you say you're going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and go all the way to Revelation. Um, but basically the idea is you're doing it in a systematic way. You're covering the Bible in a systematic way. I'm actually going through the Bible right now in a chronological way. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible the way things happen, in a historic way. Uh, the way it happen, things happened historically. 
Um, and it's, you know, you start off with Genesis and then Job, because Job was written roughly at the time that Genesis was actually happening. Um, and you continue. When you do the Gospels, you do the Gospels together. Um, I've just finished actually reading through um, David, the, the things that David is going to. And the way that the, the study guide that I'm using, what it does is help me to put together the sounds that he wrote together with what he was going through. And you can see the connection. It really brings depth to what David, what David was going through and how he dealt with what he was going through. So you can also do that um, going through the Bible in a chronological way, his, how it happened historically, and you will see actually quite a lot. Now, the advantage with this is that you actually get to know the Bible from back to front. But there's also a disadvantage in the sense that you really might not have enough time to dig deep into some of the subject matters as you go along. So there's a pro and a con to each, um, to this, um, as you'll see, and also to the others. So systematic approach to the Bible, that's one way. Another way is to study the Bible um, topic by topic. So what we call a topical study uh, of the Bible. And this is actually what we're doing in discipleship. Discipleship, we study topics. You know, we go from one topic to another topic to another topic. Uh, and it's very useful if you want very specific revelation from God about something that you are going through or the circumstance that you're dealing with, you can actually study a topic on that issue. For example, if you're struggling to experience God's love um, or you're struggling to, to, to sense God's presence or to believe in God's presence, you can actually do a study on God's presence. It's, you know, you can go into the Bible and just look at scriptures that are related to God's presence, people who went through these struggles related to God's presence. You can actually do a study on that. Or if you're struggling financially, for example, maybe you're struggling with finances, you can actually do a study. You can go in-depth and study what the Bible has to say, what the Word of the Lord has to say about finances, about financial stewardship. Um, perhaps you're considering marriage. Um, I see the, the, the mentality group. There's a group of single men, eh? No women. <laughs> no women. So single men. So, you know, you, you can actually do a study on single men in the Bible um, and really focus on that. Um, or, you know, if you're preparing for marriage, you can do a study on marriage in the Bible. So it's really studying the Bible from a subject point of view. Um, the advantage of this is you go in-depth into what you really need, you, you, you know, um, for your season. Uh, but the disadvantage is if you use this all the time, you might actually miss certain portions of the Bible that might be relevant in other seasons of your life or at certain times in your life. So topical study, studying topic by topic is also essential and can also be used. Then another way to study the Bible is using, uh, is studying the word studying the words in the Bibles, doing like a word study, what I call a word study. And this is where you take words in the Bible and you try and get deeper meanings or deeper revelation about them. And you might want to start with words that come up very frequently. Uh, for example, faith, fear, sin, righteousness, grace, all these are massive, you know, they're words that have a massive, um, how do you say, um, they have a depth to them. Um, in discipleship, we were talking about the word salvation. What does, this, what does salvation actually mean? It's, it's like an app, you know, you, you click on an app and when you open it, you find all sorts of things, you know, you can really go in depth into just a single word. 
So doing word studies is really, really helpful. Um, you can also study words that are grouped together in the Bible. For example, when it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So you can take each of those words, love, joy, peace, patience, and you literally do a study on each of those words. Very, very rich. Um, scan through the Bible, find where they're used, how they're used, people who operated in them, how did they operate, those kinds of things. So it's about studying what each of these words means and how they are used. You might need maybe a Bible dictionary um, or some tools to really help on that, and we'll talk more about that, but it's really focusing on words in the Bible. Now, these three methods, um, systematic approach or topic by topic or word by word, um, it's, it's helpful to use them all rather than just use one and stay predominantly on one. Because like I pointed out, each of them has advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the essence here is to try and get as much as you can um, absorbed into your heart. So even as you go through and you study, for example, like I'm doing a chronological study, sometimes I stop somewhere and I do like a word study. I will study something that, you know, um, I've seen in the Bible or a topic. So it's, it's not about sticking to one. It's about finding what works as you go through the different seasons in your life. Um, so the other thing that you need to keep in mind is don't uh, avoid using formulas. I have learned and been sort of, I don't know if you say burnt or learnt the hard way, that formulas, using a particular formula, for example, when you say, I'm going to read four chapters every single day. Um, yes, I see people have tried that. <laughs> because what happens is, uh, you know, some days, let's, rea let's, let's be real, some days, it's just hard. You might maybe be going through an exam season, you, you know, you're focusing on your studies, and so you miss three days or four days. And the tendency is that, okay, I've missed four days. Now, let me see, four times three, four times four, that's 16 chapters. Okay, let me try and catch up. And so you try and catch up and you do 16 chapters in a day. But yet, what have you actually extracted in those 16 chapters? Yeah? So, um, formulas can sometimes sort of hold us back. Um, you know, if, if really you've missed those three chapters, relax. <laughs> God is still on the throne. God still guides. So you, you can pace yourself. Um, you can pace yourself and say, look, if I miss four chapters, that's fine. Um, alternatively, sometimes the Holy Spirit wants you to dwell on a particular chapter. Maybe you've seen something really, really exciting um, in a particular chapter, and you're really eating into it, and you're digesting it, and you're thinking about it. Um, but you want to move on. You want to move on because you want to complete your four chapters or five chapters, and then you end up getting the depth of what this particular chapter contains. So let's be led by the Holy Spirit, and let's not stick so much to formula. You know, don't tell God, excuse me, uh, four chapters uh, is, uh, needs to be completed today, so just hold on the conversation. Okay? So led by the Holy Spirit, um, not so much by formulas. Um, now, obviously, you do need some kind of structure, okay? I would be very concerned if you're the type of person who just wakes up in the morning and opens whatever page there is on the Bible, reads a few verses, closes it, and the next day you just open whatever page and you read and you close. You know, that's not reading with structure. So you do need some kind of order, some kind of structure. Um, it's better to read a few verses and really absorb them because the important thing is what you absorb in your heart, not in your head, not what you go through in the day, but really what you absorb and what you digest what you can establish. The other thing that is sometimes often overlooked 
is your attitude or my attitude. I'm talking also to myself. Uh, when you want to receive from the Lord, your attitude really matters. How are you approaching the word of God? Are you doing it just as a sense of duty? Is it just something I must to do? So that I can tick off my diary and say, hey, I've read my four chapters, let me pat myself on the back. Is this something that you approach with, you know, you bite your teeth and you're like, I must, I must, I must do these four chapters. Um, in James chapter 1 verse 21, it gives us this attitude that we have, we need to have, eh? James chapter 1, verse 21. If we can go there, um, because I, I really want to... Um, can we get the Amplified? Sorry. James chapter 1, verse 21. Okay. Get rid of all uncleanliness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. Then it says, in a humble, in a gentle, and in a modest spirit, in this case, in a gentle or humble or modest attitude, receive and welcome the word. Receive and welcome the word. And then it, when it's implanted in your heart, because that's how it gets implanted in our hearts, uh, it contains the power to change our situations, to save our souls. Okay? So that's important. The way that we welcome the word. There is a, a verse in Psalms, thank you, thank you, Jimmy, in Psalms chapter 1, uh, verse 1, 2, and 3, that talks about this man who is blessed and who prospers, and it says he delights in the law of the Lord. So we are to approach the word of the Lord with this sense of delight, this sense of joy. Yes, I know you can be going through some very difficult things, but just this sense of expectancy that you will hear from God and you receive from God. So attitude does matter. Let us keep our hearts sensitive to the word of the Lord. Always, always, always. If you're the type of person who, when you open the word and you're reading, for example, something you've read before, or you've had a sermon on before, and you basically react by saying, well, I know all there is to, you know, to this story, then you are kind of hindering your ability to receive. You know, if they preach or if they teach or if you're reading the prodigal son, for example, and you're like, oh, I know this story. I know how it ends. I know how it begins. I can give you 20 lessons from it. Then you're going to have, you're going to hinder your ability to receive from God because the word of the Lord is fresh every day. There are verses and there are stories that I learned even as a little child and even now when I read them, I get fresh revelation. So attitude does matter. Be sensitive to the word of the Lord. And then the other thing is, let the word of God, you know, when we're interpreting the word, uh, when we are studying the word and we're trying to interpret it and understand it, um, let the word explain itself. Let the Holy Spirit explain himself. Let God explain himself. Because we have a tendency to approach life based on our experiences based on our cultural interpretations, based on where we've come from. And if we do that, sometimes we misinterpret things. Uh, let me just give you an example to, to kind of illustrate, um, or to illustrate this. Eh? You see, if I was to ask somebody whose first language is English, um, you know, people who speak English only, <laughs> like, what, what is a pilot? Yeah. somebody who flies a plane. Now, the average Ugandan thinks or understands a pilot as someone who drives a taxi. Right? Pilot, eh, eh, Rinda Ko, eh, eh, pilot, eh, you, you understand that language, yes? 
<laughs> is it, is it, yes? It's true. Yes, it's exactly. But, but it's, it's the way we, we commonly communicate. Um, what is a taxi? According to a Ugandan. I want, I want a Ugandan. <laughs> it's a matatu. It's a, it's a 14-seater that has those blue stripes and, you know. But if you ask somebody who's, you know, uh, an English person who has never been to Uganda, what is a taxi? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a vehicle that you call up and you say, come and pick me from my house, take me to the airport, <laughs> and then we shall agree on the fare based on the meter. There's a meter and etc. So that's a, 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 a taxi. But again, let us see that as a taxi. It says that's a special hire. <laughs> Do you understand? And so we come and, and we can sit here and debate what is right, what is wrong. That's not the point. The point is that we approach... Um, we approach these words and these definitions based on our experiences, based on our cultural orientation, based on the way that we've been raised up. Now, if you were to do the same thing with the Bible, if you were to go into the Bible with your own cultural interpretation, your own experiences, you're likely to miss out a lot. So the idea is when we approach the word, let the word explain itself. Let God explain himself. Let him define what he needs to define. Does that make sense? Okay? And God is very um, wise because when he put together the Bible, he knew this Bible would go through cultures, years, um, languages. By the time it arrives to you, it has gone through all that. So he kept, to keep the word, you know, to, to keep the word in its integral form, to make sure that it doesn't get diluted or contaminated, he made sure that certain, you know, key words were defined in the Bible itself. Yes? Certain words are defined, certain phrases, certain interpretations are clearly laid out in the Bible. For example, if you take a word like um, eternal life, John 3.16, comes from John 3.16. Um, God so loved the world. Yes. But have eternal life. And so, um, what does eternal life mean, for example? Now, if you're in discipleship, don't answer, because this has been hammered into you. <laughs> but what does eternal life mean? Now, the average person looks at eternal life and thinks life forevermore. You know, thinks of what we're going to experience in heaven. Thinks of living forever. But that's not what God's definition of eternal life is. If you go to James 17, verse 3, this is how Jesus defines eternal life. <clears throat> and says, this is eternal life. So he's getting ready to define eternal life. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that's the definition of eternal life by the word. This is how the word defines eternal life. So every time you see eternal life in the Bible, this is the definition to use, not the one that you're coming into the Bible with. Amen? Okay? And this is really about relationship, about knowing God and, you know, getting to that intimate, close relationship with God when you walk with him daily, you talk to him daily, you hear from him daily, you obey him daily, this is what eternal life is as defined by the Bible, knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's eternal life, okay? 
The word love, for example, again, if you've never been into the Bible and never looked up definitions, love is defined by most English dictionaries as an affectionate feeling towards something. Um, an affectionate feeling towards something or someone. For example, I can say, I love yogurt. Okay? But the problem with that is that, I mean, if I love yogurt, that's fine, but you know, if I'm given yogurt that has maggots inside and flies inside, my love for yogurt immediately is cancelled. So it's very temporary. It depends on the way that yogurt is presented. You understand? So that kind of love is very different from the way that God defines love. Look at how God defines love in the Bible. Um, we go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 13. Okay, if anybody's there. Okay, so love is. So whenever you see this word, this is, you know God is just about to define. Eh? The way he said, God, this is eternal life. Love is, and then he goes on to define. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Um, uh, love is not rude, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or restful. Um, verse 6, it does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Um, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Some version says love never fails. And you can go on and on. So, you know, when God applies love to us, it's not about how we present ourselves to him. You know, I'm, talking, I'm going back to the example of the yogurt. You, you will love the yogurt depending on how it's presented to you, what it looks like. Um, God doesn't look at it that way. When he loves us, it says love never fails. It never ends. He loves us with a steadfast love. So that means his love is not dependent on how dirty you are, how clean you are, how presentable you are, how non-presentable you are. It's just love never ends. Okay, so um, when we read the Bible, it's very important that we, we, we understand the definitions. We let the Bible explain itself to us, um, and God does it either directly, he tells you this is what it is, or he does it through stories. There are many stories in the Bible that help to illustrate exactly what different uh, words mean, like repentance. One of the best stories for that is, uh, for example, the prodigal son. Uh, tells you what true repentance is, the heart of a father towards the one who is repenting or the one who is ready to repent. So let's live in that expectation that the word is, is able to actually present itself or define itself to us. Um, the other thing that's very essential to studying the word of God is meditating, meditating on the word of God. Um, we are commanded, commanded, commanded to actually meditate on the word of the Lord day and night day and night. Joshua 1.8 says, you shall meditate on the word. Um, yes, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Um, and so on and so on. You can read the rest of it. Psalm verse 1 to 2 talks about this person who is blessed. Someone who is blessed meditates on the word day and night. He talks about his, de his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night night. What does it mean to meditate on the word of the Lord? Can you meditate on the word of the Lord day and night? 
Well, what it simply means, in, 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 and I'm using just very simple terms, is really you, you get a truth from the Bible. As you study the word of the Lord, you get the truth or you get a truth from the Bible. Get information around it. Get information about it. Study that information. And then, and then you close the Bible and you think about what you have read. Pray into what you've read. Think about its significance in your life. Think about, you know, get your imagination working. You know, the Bible is full of amazing stories. So just sit back and get your imagination. Put yourself in those stories. What was it like to walk with Jesus in those days? What was the crowds like? What was it like to stop and receive healing from him? What did he say? What did he speak? So that's really meditating on the word of the Lord. And you might be here and you say, eh, but now... I have so many things to do in the course of the day. How do I meditate day and night? Well, the reality is meditating is a bit like worrying. Okay? If you have ever worried about something, um, perhaps you've worried about, you know, maybe you have children, they're going to school, and you're worrying about school fees. How are you going to afford to pay for them? How will they perform in school this term? Bearing in mind what happened last term. Bearing in mind what's happening with the teachers. Perhaps you, you worry about your fees, <clears throat> how they're going to be paid. You worry about getting a job. When you finish, are you actually going to get a job? Or you're changing jobs, are you going to get the right job? How are you going to survive the ever-increasing prices? And it's interesting, they never decrease, they're ever-increasing. <laughs> so you make a budget today, and three months later, it's like, okay things have changed. So, you know, it's very easy to worry about these things. Your, your mind focuses on them, then stops, then goes back to them, then stops and goes back to them. Well, meditation is pretty much the same thing. So if you can worry, you can meditate. <laughs> Amen? The only difference is that meditation is, is, uh, is focused and based on the word of the Lord. So instead of being worried about your situation or about whatever you're thinking is coming or your circumstance or whatever it is, think about how God's truth applies to that situation. And that's what you meditate on rather than the actual situation. Think about how God's truth applies to that situation. For example, maybe you're worried about the future, about what will happen when you finish this season in your life. Um, you know, whether it's uh, raising children, whether it's um, ministry, whether it's jobs, etc. Maybe you're, you're centered on, you know, what are the things that's going to happen, bearing in mind the circumstances, the environment, etc., etc. Well, what are the scriptures that actually speak into this situation? What are the words that speak into this situation? What does God's word have to say about this situation? That's what you start by asking yourself. And last week, we actually did a very interesting subject topic um, that, um, on, based on Jeremiah 29, verse 11, about the fact that the Lord's purposes are sure. So that can be a very good verse to really establish yourself in. It talks about many other plans in a man's heart. You know, um, there's, there's a verse. Let me see if I can get it. Proverbs 19, 21. Let's go there. Um, Proverbs 19. Sorry, I'm switching you over uh, back and forth. But Proverbs 19, 21. There's so many verses, actually, that talk about the future, so that's, that's also a point. Proverbs 19, verse 21. Yes, uh, this, if you can remember this from last week's um, preaching. Many other plans in the man of mind. Stop and think about that. The plans that you imagine in your head, 
You're like, if this happens, then I do this. If this happens, then I do this. What if this doesn't happen? Then I'm dead. Then what happens if this happens? You know, these plans keep running back and forth in your head. So it says, many other plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So you meditate on that. What is the purpose of the Lord? The purpose of the Lord is that I am going to be successful. I am going to be victorious. These are the purposes of the Lord, that irrespective of where he places me, I am blessed. And these are the purposes that stand. And this is what I can do. I can rely on that. So you can meditate on that when you're thinking about your future and your maybe in unstable circumstances and so on. There's another verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. This one is one of my favorites. It talks about the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until the noonday sun. So meditate on that. What does it mean to be righteous? We are righteous because we are in God. We have the righteousness of God when we have faith in Christ. So now this verse is telling me that my path is like, like, like the light of dawn. I know sometimes I, I take my imagination to a really, you know, I push my imagination. So I wake up, I can even wake up at dawn and just see what the light is like at dawn. And yes, sometimes there are clouds. You know, you can start off, maybe dawn starts around 6 now, 6, 6.30. So you see a few, you know, you see a bit of light. And then if it's, a, it's starting off as a gloomy day, you might see a few clouds. And, and my path might be like that. You know, I might start off with just seeing a bit of the future. Then there might be clouds here and there, areas where I don't see very clearly. But what is sure? as you just observe the sunrise, gradually and gradually and gradually. I don't know if you've been in Kampala at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock. It's hot. The sun is hot, I mean, without the clouds. So that's my path. Now, what I've done is I've basically meditated, you understand, and I've planted this picture in my heart. So the next, thing, the next time that I struggle to see, oh, Lord, what's happening, where am I going, this picture comes into my head. Yeah, so the word comes alive in that way. I've meditated and now I can see my path. Um, despite the clouds here and there, yes, fine. But the light of, of uh, the full day is going to bring amazing sunshine. Okay, so that's really how we meditate. Um, it's, it's really bringing the, the, word, the, the word alive in your mind. And that's how it gets planted in your heart. To the point that actually it becomes the focus of your life. Now, that doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you deny what is happening around you. There are facts that are happening around you. The, the prices are increasing and the, you know, things are getting tough. Um, it's not about denying. It's about looking at the world from a viewpoint of God's truth. That's what it is. And that's what make us, makes us very different from non-believers. Amen? Amen. So... Um, it's, and, and just to really wrap this up, I want to say it's important that we maintain a balance. I've kind of thrown different ideas and different thoughts at you. Um, let's uh, try and maintain balance. Um, don't just use one method of study, one focus of study. And, you know, for example, if you just meditate and meditate and you don't ever study the Word of God, you can go off on some very, very weird angles. So really, these things need to be blended in. They need to be led uh, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's have that in our hearts. We need to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to also invite Trina up. Um, and, you know, when you study the word of the Lord, you are going to need tools. 
okay? Um, and Trina is going to talk a little bit more about, um, she's, she's doing a wonderful, wonderful ministry that um, enables people to, in the community to actually have tools to study the Bible. So she's going to talk about some of them. Um, I'll give you a bit of a hint. Uh, one of the tools you'll need, of, obviously, is... <laughs> the Bible, yes, absolutely. <laughs> are we awake? <laughs> Okay, so the Bible, obviously, if you are going to study the word of the Lord, you're going to need a Bible, okay? Um, and depending on where you are in your life, there are some people who are sort of uh, slightly more mature, some are just starting off in Christianity. There are different Bibles available. Um, if you're not too sure, um, again, we are very much willing and able to give you some guidelines. Um, I would advise, if you're not sure, actually seek guidelines, because there are some Bibles in quotes that are there, but are really not Bibles. Um, avoid the Jehovah Witness Bibles, avoid, you know, there's certain Bibles I would not advise you to go into. So if you're not so sure, um, we are here to, to basically help you out with that. Um, and, okay, we are in a generation where, you know, we've downloaded Bibles on our phones, etc., etc. Personally, I don't find studying the Word of the Lord on the phone very effective. Uh, for the simple reason that every five minutes an SMS comes through or whatever, and then I have to stop and interrupt. So if it's working for you, fine, um, but I would advise you get a hard copy, um, something that you can really study and use. Um, things like Bible calendars, um, as well as Bible dictionary commentaries, etc. I'm kind of stealing your thunder here, but let me just invite Trina <laughs> to talk basically about her ministry as well as the tools that she has. Eh? Thank you. <laughs> okay, so Love Through Literacy, that's the name of the um, missional community, as well as the ministry. Um, and I would really encourage you, if you're starting out, as well as if you've matured, I, I, I mean, I go through books, uh, Christian books, and really get a lot of revelation from people, as Tina has said, people who've gone ahead of us and who have really... Um, developed uh, understanding in the Bible, they can actually help us also to meditate on the word of the Lord. So I invite you after, as we close, to basically have a look at what is available, uh, borrow the books, read them. Read them. <laughs> Don't be like the average Ugandan <laughs> that borrows books and then they disappear. <laughs> Okay, so please read them. Uh, what changes your life is what is in your heart, not what is in your house, okay? So please read them and be faithful to return them. Um, really, it's amazing because many of these books, if you go to the average bookshop, you're looking at uh, even 50,000, 60,000 to, to buy them. Um, so the fact that Trina is you know, offering them as uh, a service to us as a community, as a church, is really, really a blessing. Um, so read them, um, and I believe you can even agree on the time. I mean, if somebody takes a little bit longer, I think we can, we can also agree on that. Um, there's things like devotionals. Devotionals really help you to actually go, as we say, topic by topic, do systematic studies and all these things that we've talked about. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we'll, we'll have a look at after, as we finish and as we, as we end um, the service. Okay, so I am through, and I hope you have been blessed. I hope you've picked up a few <laughs> guidelines. Okay, um, so I will hand over back to Rory. Thank you.
Still, still open, still open. It's still open. Yeah. So it's such a course that runs after every Sunday. Um, it's excellent and um, it really particularly stirs. So it's really dive deep into the Bible next season as well.